Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, so thankful, God, for another opportunity, Lord, to be able to come into your house tonight. Lord, to be able to gather with our believers, uh, with our like-minded believers tonight, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. God, to be able to hear the word of the Lord being preached. And Lord, we are first and foremost thankful, Lord, that you have taken away our sin. Lord, that the blood of Jesus Christ was poured out 2,000 years ago, Lord. Lord, the work that you did at Calvary, Lord, God, has worked inside of us and is working inside of us even now, Lord. And God, we have been changed, Lord. And, and we sit here tonight as new creatures in Christ Jesus, Lord. And no matter what is going on in this world, Lord, no matter what it is that we may see on TV, no matter what may be transpiring in our life, God, we've got a reason to shout tonight. We've got a reason to lift up your name. We've got a reason, Lord, to praise the Lord because our sins are gone and we're on our way to heaven, God. Lord, we know that what all is going on in this world is, is just a, a signs of the end time that, Lord, you have told us about in your word. But, God, we also know that we can look up because our redemption drawing nigh. Lord, knowing that one day we're soon to leave this life and we're going home to be with you. And, God, I pray, Lord, that as we wait for that call, Lord, as we wait for your return, Lord, let us labor for the kingdom of God like never before, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would move us, Lord, and God, that we would be urgent in the work that we do for your kingdom, that we've got brothers and sisters, moms and dads, family members, Lord, that, that do not know you, and we lift each and every one of them up before you right now. And Lord, we're asking that the spirit of conviction would go to them. Lord, would grip their hearts, Lord, and would draw them to repentance, and that Lord, that repentance would lead to the glorious gift of salvation, God. Lord, we're believing that not one hoof shall be left behind, but that God, they're going to come in one by one, Lord, we claim them, Lord. We stand in, Lord, on their behalf as we intercede in for them, Lord. And God, we lift up these needs of those, Lord, that are sick in their body. Lord, for the ones that need a touch of their body, Lord, we're thankful that we serve the great healer tonight. Lord, you are the great physician. And God, we're asking, Lord, that your healing virtue power, Lord, would flow into their physical bodies, Lord. God, the price that you paid on Calvary's cross, Lord, has purchased our healing. And Lord, we ask, God, that you would touch them in a special way. Lord. God, that the test results, Lord, that are awaiting to be come back, Lord, would, would come back good, Lord. And, and God, that you would just touch them, Lord. We take authority over cancers. We take authority over migraines, Lord. We take authority over all manners of sicknesses because, Lord, you died for each and every one of them, Lord, so that we might be healed, Lord. God, we just ask, Lord, that you touch our law enforcement, Lord, that you touch our country. Lord, if there's ever been a time, Lord, that we need a move of your spirit, Lord, it is now. And God, I pray Pray, look down upon us, Lord. God, look down upon the remnant, Lord, that is hungry for a move of your Holy Spirit, God. And Lord, we believe that you're not going to deny us, but Lord, we feel and we believe in our hearts, Lord, and by faith that the sound of the abundance of rain is coming, Lord. And we believe that the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen is getting ready to take place. And Lord, we pray that God, that outpouring would come here to Yakinville, Lord, upon this church, Lord, upon this city, upon this county, Lord. And we're believing that you're going to bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord. The brokenhearted, the bruised, Lord, the blind, the halt, the maimed. Lord, we believe you're going to bring them in, Lord, and that you're going to save their soul. Lord, we thank you again for tonight, Lord, to be able to stand here 
and to teach your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to rightly divide it. Lord, help us to do it no harm, God. And Lord, we ask for the anointing and the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to help us to teach your word, anoint the hearts and ears of those that would be here in the sanctuary tonight, and Lord, those that are watching by the way of internet. Lord, I pray that, God, that there would be a true manifestation of your spirit tonight, Lord, that, God, we would be increased in knowledge, and that, Lord, we would apply what we hear tonight to our walk with you, Father, and we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' name, amen. and everyone said amen, amen. and amen. amen. So I wasn't here last week, and again, so thankful for David being able to fill in for me, but we started a few weeks ago as uh, ever since the beginning, I felt like the Lord wanted me to go through uh, back to the basics, if you will, and we dealt with justification by faith for several weeks, and then we went into this same nature and spent several weeks, and, and then uh, we went into victory over sin. And this is the third week uh, that we have been discussing uh, how to live a victorious life and, and victory over sin and getting into the great chapter of Romans chapter 6. Uh, this is one of the most important chapters uh, to the believer uh, because if you do not recognize and understand what Paul is saying here, uh, it is almost uh, going to be detrimental to your walk with the Lord. I have heard one individual tell me that they are so thankful for this because they thought that the uh, chapter 6 of the book of Romans was dealing nothing with law and, and never understood that it was Paul, uh, you know, giving us deep insight and the meaning of the new covenant of the cross and how uh, uh, in the believer's life we are now, we can be victorious over the sin nature. And, and this right here is how, and, and what Paul lays out to us is how we walk in victory each and every single day of our life. You know, miracles are great, healings are great, and we believe that God's still doing them, and, and they're wonderful. But let me tell you something. You can have the healings, you can have the miracles, but if you don't know how to walk in victory, and we don't understand the meaning of the new covenant and how we live by faith and grace, have all the miracles and healings you want to, you will still be miserable. Because the abundant life experience, in my opinion, and it's in my belief, is walking in victory, where the sin is not having dominion over you as a believer. Because, listen, you've been set free. You've been gloriously saved from your sin. The burden of sin has been lifted off of you, and now you're ready to live for the Lord. And then, of course, we all know we, we revert back to law when we think that we got to do all of these things failure comes in our life and we're like wait a minute what's happened here i've just experienced you know this glorious gift of salvation i've experienced freedom like i've never known before i've known peace like i've never known before and then i'm feeling the lord and of course you know romans 7 and we'll eventually get there tells us that my old believers travel that road of wanting to go through and trying to defeat the sin themselves and because they don't understand what the cross did for them because they don't embrace Calvary, then they don't understand how to get victory over the sin problem. They don't understand that they were set free, that when he said uh, that he has set us free, he set us free, amen, uh -huh. set us free from that relationship, from that entanglement, uh, from, from us, if you will, being a slave to the nature of sin. He set us free when he saved us, amen. And so that's why we're dealing uh, with Romans chapter 6. And so we're going to be reading four verses of scripture again tonight, uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, and we'll just see how far we get, amen. So verse 5, Paul said, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. 
knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he who is dead is freed from sin. It's a powerful verse. For he who is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. We have to remember, and it's important that we know, uh, that when these epistles were written, they were not written in chapter and verse formation as we see it now. Uh, in fact, when they were written all the many years ago, they were written as a continual, uh, I, don't, I don't want to use the word story, but a continual scroll, if you will. It was just one long letter. And it wasn't until the translation of the King James Version where man then began to put it in chapter and began to put verses to this. And so if you read from the beginning of Romans all the way to the end of it, you will see how Paul takes us down, as you know, the Roman roads. Amen. We see that, or the road to Romans, we see in chapter 1. The depravity of man, we see the fallen nature of man, we, we see the wickedness and the sinfulness of man, and then we see that, you know, in chapter 3, where all man is guilty before God, amen, and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we see the depravity of man, we see that man without God is hopeless, we see the horrible condition of man. You read verses 10 through 17 of Romans chapter 3, and, and it's like, whoa, you know, it's, it's bad. And we realize that that was us before he saved us. And so the only way that man could be reconciled back to God was for God to come down out of heaven in the form of man, Christ Jesus, sending forth his own son to become the sacrifice for our sin. Because again, sin is so bad that God could not speak sin out of existence. But he had to provide a sacrifice. And if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, you'll see that it's always been about Jesus Christ and him crucified. The sacrificial system and all that was done there was a type and shadow of Christ who would come and now would fulfill the ceremonial laws so that now we don't have to offer up sacrifices anymore because he shed his blood and it was the last blood that would ever have to be shed. Amen. I'm thankful that I don't have to offer up an animal, but it even goes further than that, that I don't have to offer up any law whatsoever. The work's been done. Amen. Amen. We've got a better covenant based off of better promises. I mean, thank God that he provided a way for them in the Old Amen. Testament. And they were saved the same way that we're saved. But I'm so thankful that I don't have to go and offer animals and fly to Jerusalem and do all of this other stuff. No, all I have to do is say, in the name of Jesus. And in that one name, it encompasses the work in which he did and the fulfillment of everything. And in that name, we've got access to the very throne room of God to think that God Almighty himself could hear me, who was once a vile sinner that wanted nothing to do with him, but now he calls me son. Now he calls you daughter. That's how he views us, ownership of us. We, we, we are his possession. We are the apple of his eye. Amen. And I still know who I am, and I still know that there's still a lot needs to be done. And, and there's days that I realize I'm like, God, I'm such a failure. But then I'm reminded, no, he sees the blood of his right. son, Amen. Jesus Christ. And so I don't focus on my failure. I take it where it needs to go, but I focus on the faithfulness of Christ. And I'm thankful that I'm guaranteed that the very presence of Jesus Christ there right there guarantees he's my, my his intercession on my behalf that's right 
It's not the fact that he has to pray for us. His very presence guarantees my communion with the Lord, if you will. Amen. And his intercession. So I'm so thankful for that. But anyway, so starting at the beginning of Romans and again up to this point, we see that man's in desperate need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ because the heart is in desperate need to be changed. And again, man is pro man doesn't need to be rehabilitated. He needs to be reborn. And that's the problem right now that we're seeing in the world. The world system wants to rehabilitate man. Man don't need to be rehabilitated. Man needs to be reborn. Because again, the heart is diseased. It's so bad. You can set them through all the programs that you want to, and it still will not handle the problem. I was talking to a man yesterday, and he came to tune our piano here. And the Lord just, I believe, in divine appointments. And, and we were talking, and, and uh, the conversation began to build, and, and I began to sense the presence of the Lord. And he was a believer, but then began to tell me about his wife. And she's been given two to nine months now to live. And, and it was about two years ago, I believe. Uh, she has always battled with alcohol and and we're talking about a lady that was raised up in church That was a PK, you know a preacher's kid and grandparents that were preacher You know uh, grandparents that were pastors that were preachers of the gospel and, and felt the call there to preach as well But yet she got underneath the entanglement of alcohol at the age of 28 and for years now has been bound to the point to where her liver is shot and Diseased and it was about a year or so ago that she was put on the list to be able to get a liver but in order to get that liver you've got to prove that you're not drinking anymore because they don't want to hand over a healthy liver to somebody that's going to continue to keep drinking because it would be a waste and so she went there three months and then all of a sudden he told me that she brought the alcohol bottle back in the house and he heard the clanking and he said are you serious are you telling me you're going to do this but I had to explain him the problem she can't defeat that on her that's own right. She's trying to conquer something that she can't do, that God never asked her to do. That's why he died on Calvary's cross. And here she's only given two to nine months now to live and can't let go of this and has tried and she don't know what else to do. And I said, she's in the best place where she can be at. She's at rock bottom, but if she'll go to Jesus, if she'll cry out to him and say, Lord, save my soul. Lord, take this alcohol away. The blood of Jesus Christ will forgive her cleanse her and can even heal the parts of her body that's been affected by this disease right. and can go on to give her many more years and so we see that she's tried the program she's tried the 12 steps none of that works because if righteousness could come by the law, then Christ has died in vain. But what she needs is that rebirth experience. She needs a new heart. She don't need to be rehabilitated. We don't need to try to rehabilitate the drug addict. We don't need to try to bring all the world's sisters into the church because they don't work. Preach Christ and him Amen. crucified. And let the Holy Spirit uh, uh, convict them and draw them to the cross of Christ. And let them get reborn. And, and even the believer, let them see now every Everything that I need has already been provided at Calvary. I don't have to try to do anything. That's right. Because they don't understand, the believer don't understand that when they got saved, they were set free. But we know that the clinging vines of the fall want to hang on to us. A lot of things that are there. And because we don't understand what took place for us at Calvary, we try to defeat the problem on our own. We, you know, we come up with all of these man-made laws, if you will, and we think for sure we'll get the victory. 
And we don't understand that victory is already ours. Do you realize that in Christ Jesus, if you're saved tonight in Jesus, you are victorious. That's right. Positionally, you are victorious. Well, you don't understand the problem that I've got going on my lawn. I'm I'm facing I'm battling nicotine. I can't let my cigarettes go, or I'm facing that bottle. I love the Lord with all of my heart, but there's a there's a struggle that's there, or I just can't quit lying, or I can't quit God. different gossiping. I've got unforgiveness, bitterness, different things, uncontrollable temper. I've got these things in my life, and, and you're telling me I'm victorious in Christ. You are, but the reason why you're not seeing the victory. Is because you're not staying in Christ. That's right. Because we're not looking to the sacrifice. We're not looking to what he did at Calvary's cross because it is there that we get the power of the Holy Spirit that we need that comes in that helps us that defeats these powers of darkness. Listen, Satan does not respond but to one thing, and that's to the cross. To the blood of Jesus Christ. He does why he don't want our faith. In the blood of Jesus Christ. Because as long as our faith is in anything else, and I'm talking about believers, if it's in anything else, then Satan can still hold us into captivity. Because he's not defeated with your reading. He's not defeated with your praying. You can quote scriptures and say, Satan, the blood is against you. And that's right. And But you can sit talk to him and say, Satan, you got to go and do all of this and that and the other. And guess what? If your faith is in that, he ain't going nowhere. Your faith has got to be in Christ and what he's done and say, Lord, I know that you won my victory. I know that in you I am victorious. And I know that this is a bondage, but Lord, I'm giving it to you. And guess what? It's been defeated already. It ain't something that he's got to defeat. It's already defeated. And when you start saying, Lord, I know that you've already paid the price. I know you've already defeated it. Faith is rising up in the sacrifice, and that's what he demands. And that's the only answer to not only the unbeliever, but to the believer. And that's the problem. We don't realize that much of the church don't realize that the cross is not only the answer. If we really, truly realize what he's done for us, and we'll never grasp at all of what he's truly done for us, we would definitely not be going to anything else, trying to preach anything else. Because as you continue to look to the cross, and we should be asking the Lord each and every single day, Lord, give me a greater understanding of what you did for me at Calvary. He will enlighten the eyes of your understanding, and you'll realize truly everything that I need is found in the cross. Yes. Everything that I need, and I don't care if it's victory, I don't care if it's deliverance, I don't care if it's a financial problem, I don't care if it's a physical problem, everything you need is found in Calvary. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. So again, uh, through we realize we're guilty and we understand that we've been justified uh, by our faith. Amen? And so Paul now takes the believer down the road of chapter 6 and begins to explain, unfold the cross a little bit more. So he explains the machinery, if you will. He, he explains the mechanics of the cross and, and how it works in our life. And we have to understand that when you came to Christ, that, that you died, amen, and that the sin nature now no longer has control over to you. Listen, the sin nature is not dead. It's still very much alive. And we see that sometimes when we get aggravated or, or something happens. We see the sin nature. We see sin coming and happening in our life. But the sin nature is still alive. But it's us who are dead to that relationship with the sin nature. 
Because, see, surgery was performed the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. He cuts you off. It's like a diseased tumor that is attached to an organ. If that diseased, malignant tumor is not cut off, eventually what will it do? It will spread and infect the entirety of the body and will eventually bring death. So that problem, that disease of sin, the surgery that was performing, it was, it was cut off from you, if you will. And now it cannot spread its disease inside of you. That's why sin don't have to have dominion over you. Amen. So again, Christ, who, who did not bring the law back, but he took your place and, and he suffered the penalty that you deserved. And now, upon simple faith in what he did for you at Calvary, in the mind of God, you died with Christ. See, he became our substitute. You deserve to die on Calvary. You deserve to die for the sins that you've done. But what you got was what you didn't deserve, and that was life. What he got was what he didn't deserve, and that was death. But he did it for you and I. He lived the perfect life. He lived and fulfilled the law in every capacity to be accepted by God. But he did that for my, for me. He did that for you. He did that for the entirety of the world. And then once he fulfilled the law in totality, then he had to go into the cross. Listen, just fulfillment of the law was enough. Sin demands death, amen? And so therefore he had to die on Calvary's cross and became a sin offering. He didn't become sin himself, but he became a sin offering for you and I, and there suffered the penalty for our sin. And so now we don't have to die, because the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were baptized with Christ. When he died on that cross, you died with him. That's the way God sees it. The old man died with him. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've got a new mind. You've got a new way of thinking, new desires, a new heart. That old person that was that, that once existed, and you know who that old person was, especially you know the Lord brought you out of things, that person don't even exist anymore. Well, where did they go? They died on the cross. Well, where do they get buried? With Jesus. But guess what? They're in the tomb. You resurrected. You are the new resurrected. You are the resurrected form of the old you. Because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Galatians 2.19, and we talked about it Sunday night. Paul said that I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. We can't live unto God until we first die. And we die to the law. Amen. So he tells us that the answer for the sin problem is baptism into Christ, which is the cross. And that right here lets us know, well, what's the answer for my sin problem? When he talks about it in verse 14 that we are, uh, in verse 3, do you not know that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ? That means the cross. And that right there lets us know the answer for the sin problem is the cross. I don't care what the bondage is. I don't care what the problem may be in our life. The answer for it is Calvary. There's not two different answers. There's not five different answers. There's only but one answer, and it's the cross. So whatever the problem may be in your life, the solution is what he did at Calvary. It's not the wooden beam. And I think sometimes when people hear us talk about the cross, we, they think we think there's power in that. Listen, that wood don't have nothing to do with it. It's in what took place at the cross. It was his death where we were, where the sin was defeated, where sin was atoned for, where he made it open, showing them, Colossians chapter 2 tells us, of sin triumphing over them. Amen? So again, Christ's resurrection permanently 
permanently delivered us from the power of the sin nature, and now his resurrection power flows through you. That he quickens you from your former lifestyle that was fashioned after the world and now has raised us up together. You see, he didn't stay in the tomb. He got up because when he got up, that meant the power of sin lost its grip on humanity. Amen. I think about Lazarus there. And when Lazarus was buried, he died. But when he come forth, what did he look at him and say after he called him by his name, which was a picture of us being dead. And he called us by our name. But then he looked and it said, loose him and let him go. The grave clothes had to come off because that was indicative of the old man. No, no. This is a new creature. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he said, loose him and let him go. But there's too many believers that's walking around with grave clothes on. He said, loose him and let him go. And they immediately came off. When he called you by your name, when he called you out of that grave, you came running out of there and the grave clothes came off. Amen. Amen. So in verse five, he lets us know that since you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, something planted together means that it's coming up together. It's the same way, and I said it two weeks ago, that when you plant something in the ground together, it's going to come up together. Amen. So when you said yes to Christ, you were baptized into his death, which means you you went down together and Paul says you came up together so now there should be no more struggle with sin there were so many people and I've studied that for commentators and, and a lot of things I like about them but one common denominator that a lot of them said which is not right is saying that we all still struggle with sin but that's not to be the cross handled the sin problem if there's struggle, if there's a problem with sin and there's a struggle with sin in the life of the believer, talking about the one that loves God with all that's within them, the reason why there's a struggle is because their faith is not in the correct object. It's because we're looking to something else other than the cross of Christ. Because when you view the cross, you see that sin was handled there. It was dealt with. Again, he, he defeated it. He made an open show with them. He triumphed over it. There is no more struggle. He died once and for all. He defeated it. Amen. So if we believe that and we believe it because it's the word and we believe that we've been baptized into Christ and now we're victorious in Christ, then there should be no struggle with sin in our life if we truly are looking to the correct object of faith, which is Christ and what he did at Calvary. But because we don't look there and because we're looking to something else, whatever it may be, it could be a million things that you're looking at. That is why there, there is still a struggle. We don't preach sinless perfection because the Bible doesn't teach sinless perfection. You're, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you fall short. But we're talking about not sinless perfection. We're talking about being in bondage. Being in bondage, being entangled to something that you don't want to do that has control over you. How in the world, listen, you're in Christ Jesus. There should be nothing that is entangling us, nothing that has control over us because we're in the one who defeated the problem that you're dealing with. Amen. But see, we don't realize that. We, we think that we've got to now set out and to defeat it. We think now that he has given us the power to go out and to do it on our own. He ain't anointing flesh, folks. He's not anointing flesh. The Bible says anything that is a flesh that is not a faith, it is sin. So no matter how good it may be and no matter how religious it may appear, that's as best that it is. It's religious. 
Because the answer for our problem is not in anything that we do is found in what he has already done. See, that's the abundant life experience in realizing that Christ has done it all. And now I can walk victorious. I can walk in victory each and every single day of my life. But the requirement for that is for me to deny myself, realize that there's nothing good about me, and to look to what he did. Continuously look into the sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament, they offered up sacrifices at 9 and at 3, representative of the time that Christ would go up on the cross and the time that he would die. But if they were then looking at the, the sacrifice twice a day, how much more now that Christ has come and fulfilled it should we be looking to the sacrifice all day, every day? But see, we look to the cross once a day. If even in the Old Testament they look to the sacrifice twice a day, we don't even do that. Or we'll look at the cross for salvation or we'll hear about the cross on Sunday. No, it's every day, all day. Because that's where Satan lost his grip off of humanity. That's where sin was atoned for. It can no longer entangle us. But it's only as we look to Christ. It's only as we stay positioned at the foot of the cross. The moment that you leave Calvary is the moment that you are veiling yourself and entangling yourself right back up in bondage. That's why Paul said, stand fast now, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom where Christ has made you free. In other words, don't leave the cross. Don't leave there. That's where he's made you free. So if you leave where he made you free, what's the opposite of freedom? Bondage. And that's where many believers are because they've left the cross. Yes, they trust the cross for salvation, but they've left the cross for victory. And that's the reason why they're in bondage. And Paul here is saying, hey, wait a minute. Do you not realize that if you've been with him in the likeness of his death, you shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection? Meaning he, he, he conquered sin. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now you can walk in resurrection power. Listen, a lot of people see this verse and they think that it's talking about the rapture and talking about one day being resurrected. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about resurrection life right now. But in order to have a resurrected life, as it says Sunday night, you've got to live a crucified life. You've got to realize that you're no good. You've got to stay dead to self. And it seems oxymoronic. I have to stay dead to be able to live. Right. But that's the only way you're going to live unto God, to die to self. Yeah. But see, we don't want to die to self. Because we got pride in us and we think that I can do this. And we think we're a, a, that old saying, a bag of chips and everything else. You know, all, all that and a, and a bag of chips. We think we, we can. We think that there's something good about us. And we don't, real, we, we don't want to admit that there's nothing good about us. Even after we get saved. The only good that's in you and I tonight is Jesus. Right. Amen. That's the only good that is within inside of us. And I think there is a, uh, again, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, they don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that they're not any good. Well, I do all of these good things. No, no, no. It ain't you. It's the Christ that's inside of you. Right, that's right. doing all of these good things that people are drawn to. They're not drawn to you. They're not drawn to me. They're drawn to the Christ that's within inside of me. Because this right here, me on my own, is no good. Right. 
Ain't no, would nobody want to have anything to do with me. And I know within myself I would be doing the things that I do now. It's because a transformation has taken place because how he now lives and resides within me. He's now leading me. He's now guiding me. He's in control of me. And I said, Lord, have your way. I yield myself to him each and every single day. Live in me. I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. It ain't me who's living anymore, Paul said. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. So now, this life that I'm living, the life that I've been called to live, I'm living by one way and one way only, and that's by the faith of the Son of the living God who loved me. Don't ever forget that what you learned in Sunday school as a child and gave himself for me. That's the way. Listen, simplicity right there. He loved me and gave himself for me, and that's the life that I'm supposed to live every day. Lord, you loved me and you gave yourself for me. I live, I'm living by that today. Guess what? Tomorrow. Lord, you loved me. You gave yourself for me. You've done it all for me. That's all he wants out of you. On Friday, Lord, you love me. You gave yourself for me. Well, that's repetitious. That's right. That's right. That's why Paul said, I declare to know nothing else among you save Christ and him crucified because you're looking and you're accepting that it was a completed work. That's right. Because when we don't look to the cross, then we're saying in essence it wasn't a completed work. We're in essence saying that he died for nothing. We're in essence saying, yes, I got the cross, but I've got to add my old puny little laws in with it. And we wouldn't say it in that manner, but that's what our actions are when we don't look to solely him. Amen. We read in Ephesians chapter 2. And within the first three verses, we see that we were dead in our trespasses and dead in our sins, fulfilling the lust of it. You've all read Ephesians chapter 2. It's a bad report, amen? The first three verses, you see how bad you and I were, but our whole life was one big ball of sin, children of wrath, the Bible tells us. But then we see the next three verses of what God has done for us, and it says, God, who is rich in mercy. And I've seen that word, who is, and I said, oh God, he's talking about present tense, and the Bible didn't say God who was rich in mercy who is rich in mercy he was rich in mercy 2,000 years ago he's rich in mercy right now he'll be rich in mercy next week he's rich in mercy each and every single day that's why he said whosoever will come and drink of the water of life free let him come you thirsty let him come you don't have to pay anything or anything. just come and drink he's rich in mercy he don't have just a little bit of fragments, but rich. That means abundant yeah, supply of mercy. The Bible says his mercies is new each and every single morning. And you better thank God for that and praise yeah, God yeah, for that. Yeah. That his mercy is new each and every single morning. Well, I had a horrible day yesterday. Well, guess what? You used up all of his mercy. You got up this morning. Whole bunch of more mercies right there for you today. The mercy that you're going to need that you don't even realize that you're going to need. Because he already knows what kind of day you're on a face before you even got up this morning. But the mercy's there. It's supplied for you and I. Amen. So the very word together here in verse 5 means new life being imparted to us through our identification with Christ in his death and resurrection. You see, he brought us up with Christ to now walk in newness of life. So he uses the word here together three times in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and made us to sit together in heavenly places. So we see this three times showing us that upon simple faith in Christ and that the believing sinner died with him and has been resurrected in Christ and now his resurrected life, his resurrected life is now living inside of you. Amen. So this is the state of our present life, 
our Bill of Rights, if you will, our Constitution as a Christian. Amen. He came to make dead people alive, dead through the law, but alive unto God. When he said he, we sit together, notice that word sit. That means when you sit down, that means the work's been done. He sat down, amen. He passed on the, listen, when he died on Calvary's cross, I've said it before, the priest would have to go in the temple and there wasn't no chair there in the Holy of Holies because the work was never done. They had to always keep coming back and offering sacrifices again and again. But when Christ died, he didn't go there. He passed straight on into heaven and he sat down because the work was completed and now that you've come with Christ, you've been called to sit together. That means you need to sit down too. Sit in Christ. You've got everything you need. You're right there with him. You've got everything. We're joint heirs. Everything. You've got an inheritance. It's all there. Sit down. The problem is we're not sitting. We're not resting in Christ. We're not here trying to work for something that we've already got. Wouldn't that be crazy? If you were sitting out here and, and if somebody handed you a home and, and they handed it to you for free, they handed you the title deed to it, said it's yours, I've already purchased it, but yet you get out of work for something that's already been bought and purchased. And that's what we do when it comes to anything for the Lord, but especially here talking about victory. We're trying to work for something that we've already got. That's right. And, the, and it comes down to pure, simple unbelief. We don't believe that we've already got it. Well, I'm trying your way. But I'm still not saying victory. Listen, the cross works. It's right. you and I who don't yeah. work. And the problem is, is our and, and then what it is is our faith has to be tested. And God's testing our faith. It's not listen again. He never causes us or or makes us sin or anything like that. The choice is always upon us. But our faith is going to be tested. And many times, and I can speak of my own life when I come to understand this and realize, I started coming to the cross and I said, Lord, you died. I'm hearing what they're saying. It's resonating in my heart. It's bearing witness with my spirit. So I'm going to try. Well, guess what? I still failed. But the difference was, is I didn't give up. I'm going to come right back to the cross. And eventually, I failed several times. But eventually victory came because my faith had to be tested are you going to stick with the cross or are you going to try it one time and because it don't work for you even though it does work you're going to try it off somewhere else and try something else right. no keep coming back to the cross I don't care if you fail 10,000 times come back to the cross 10,001 and if you don't quit you will reap the victory you will reap the victory I guarantee it I promise you with everything that's within me you will reap the victory. Amen. So Paul in this text, again, was not referring to eventual bodily resurrection, but rather having a resurrected life here and now on earth. That John 10, 10 experience, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. So now having been united with Christ, the power of the sin nature is broken. So now I don't have to no longer yield my body, my members to the sin nature. Why? Because the power of sin has been broken off of my life. I don't have to yield my hands to unrighteousness. I don't have to yield my mouth to unrighteousness. I don't have to yield my eyes to unrighteousness, my feet to unrighteousness. I don't have to anymore because the grip of sin was broken. Now I have been told, and you will read later on, how we're to yield our members to righteousness. Again, when he saved you, he saved your eyes, he saved your mouth, he saved your feet, he saved your hands. He didn't just save your heart and then say, well, all of this is still filthy. No, he saved all of you. Mm -hmm. 
And because he saved all of you, he now wants to live through. He wants to change the way you used to look at things. And you'll see as you grow in Christ and you're walking with him that you'll no longer want to watch the things that you used to watch. And it ain't because somebody's condemning you. It's because you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you who's saying, no, no, don't watch it. That's not good for you. See, he, because he comes in to clean up. He's the one who cleans us up. Amen. Amen. So again, we see where Jesus said in Luke 4 that the Spirit of the Lord had anointed him to preach deliverance to the captives. He did not say to deliver the captives, for he would do that at Calvary, but to preach deliverance to the captives. He's preaching a work that was accomplished to those that are held captive by the sin nature. Listen, we don't preach that you can be delivered. We preach that you have been delivered. You can be delivered in Christ Jesus. Amen. He, he didn't say to deliver. He preached deliverance. We preach victory. We preach, uh, uh, again, deliverance. We preach all of that because it's already been done. It's already been won. It's already been accomplished. Amen. You see, in the Old Testament, what would he tell Joshua? He told Joshua to go in and possess the land. Go in and possess what I have promised to you. But now, because we have a better covenant based off of better promises, our heavenly Joshua has already went in and possessed the land for you and I. See how Joshua bore? He had to go in and possess the land. He had to go in and defeat all of them ice, the Amalekites, the Perizzites, the Hebusites, all of these ice. But now, our heavenly Joshua has already defeated all of the ice. He's already possessed the land for you and I. He says, now enjoy it. But what do we want to do? We want to fight the ice. Well, we need to realize they've already been fought. And victory has already been won for us because he defeated them. Amen. So Paul would use these illustrations later on to emphasize what he is saying because he's trying to get you and I to know. He's trying to get you and I to know the Holy Spirit working through him. Hey, believer, wake up and see that Christ's death is just as important for our sanctification, which is our daily walk before him, as Christ's death was for our justification. Not was, but is. Just the death of Christ is, is, is important because we know it's the only way for us to be justified with God. But the Holy Spirit wants us to see that his death is just as important for our daily walk with him now that we have been saved. Mm -hmm. He wants us to view the cross of Christ. He wants us to view that accomplished work. He wants us to grab hold of that and look at that and depend upon that just as much now as you did when you got saved. But if we're doing a fact check on us, if we're really examining ourselves, what did Paul say? Examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. Are we truly depending upon the sacrifice of Christ every day? And I'm not just talking about salvation. Of course, we know we got to have that for salvation. But to us as believers, to those that are in Christ Jesus, to those that are saved, many even spirit-filled, are we truly 100% exclusively relying upon the sacrifice of Christ each and every single day for our walk now that we've been saved. Because if we get honest with ourselves, we find ourselves not depending upon the sacrifice. And we find ourselves depending upon law. We find ourselves depending really on the only opposite thing that can be in that self. 
I'm looking to myself to defeat this. I'm looking to myself to perform this. Instead, we need to be looking to the one who's already performed the work. See, faith says it's done. Religion said there's more to do. Religion says there's more to do. So whenever somebody looks at you and says, well, yeah, but you got to do, that's religion. Faith says it's done. It's a completed work. He sat down, and because he sat down, that means I can sit down too. It's been done. I don't have to do anything. No, that doesn't mean now I live any kind of life that I want to do. He told us in verse 1, absolutely not. God forbid that we remain in the same relationship. We're not saying that. We're not saying live a life of lasciviousness. No, we're now saying that you've got the power. You've got the victory. You've got that supply of grace to now live and walk in victory that you didn't have before because it only comes to the sacrifice. Amen. All right, so verse 6, moving on to verse 6. Knowing this, it says that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. I love that word, destroyed. It didn't say that the body of sin might be just sort of messed with a little bit, but destroyed. And when you think of the word destroyed, that means something that's been annihilated, something that ain't alive anymore. A man destroyed. You think about a building uh, that's there, resurrected, I mean, not resurrected, a building that's there and it's old and it's condemned. And eventually, what do they do? They take that wrecking ball and they come in and they destroy that building and it comes crumbling down. And guess what? It it ain't re being rebuilt. That's what happened with sin. That's what happened to the sin in your life. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, the wrecking ball, the cross of Christ came in and boom, destroyed it. Uh -huh. Tore it down. But we got to realize this tonight, that the wrecking ball, the cross of Christ, his death, his blood, came in and destroyed sin in our life. Amen. So again, Paul is saying we should know this. Knowing this. You should know this. But the problem is so many believers don't know this. We don't understand that our old man's been crucified. We don't understand that this problem that we're dealing with has been crucified, was destroyed. We don't know it. Well, why do we not know it? Well, simply put, because we're not preaching the cross. Because we're not teaching the cross. And because of what you sit up under is the direction that you're going to order your life. If you sit up underneath the law, you're going to live your life by law. But here at this church, we preach Christ and crucified him, man. And we don't back down from it because we know I'm amongst too many that know that this works. That this is the only thing that works because we've got fruit that shows, hey, I was bound and I tried everything. But when I started trusting in what he had already done, I began to see victory. I begin to see fruit of what he had done, and I'm not backing away from that now. I'm not going back into bondage. I lived way too many years of my Christian life in bondage. Now I know what freedom is, and you're not moving me from the cross. Talk about me all you want to. Throw all of your darts. I'm not leaving where he brought me in at. Amen? Amen. I'm staying in the same way he brought me in. So again, it's the desire of Paul, or actually the Holy Spirit through Paul in this chapter here, to make known to the believer that your old self was nailed to the cross. And see, this is sanctification explained so that the believer now can walk in Christ and walk in victory. Amen. So if we understand that we get this, then we will realize that the sin nature that existed before was nailed to the cross. Amen. Along with the old man, therefore, it's no longer to have rule over you. So it's important that we know this and that we apply it to our life every day. I've said it before. It's not enough just to know it. You can have mental knowledge of this. You can memorize everything that I've told you and even hear others that maybe can explain it even better. 
But a knowledge alone is not enough. You've got to apply what you know. You've got to apply this message to your heart and life. You can't hear this and memorize it and then still live by law. You've got to apply this to your heart and to your life. Amen. So we as Christians and many today need a reorientation to the now power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by reorientation? You know, in my, when I worked with the company that I worked with for 20 years, we would have for new employees that would come in orientation process. And during that orientation, they would do all of their paperwork and they would get the basics. They would get the fundamental basics of what they were to do regarding that job. We as Christians need a reorientation to the now power of God. We need a reorientation because we have strayed so far. We need to come back to the fundamentals, come back to the basis of simple faith and grace. By grace you're saved through faith. Amen. By faith through grace, that channel of faith, grace was able to flow from heaven down into your dark heart. Amen. And wash it white as snow. Amen. So we need a reorientation of the now power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we, see, we, we never truly understood the milk. See, we always want to get to the meat of the word, and we've never even been able to handle the milk. This is the milk. And before you can get to the meat, you've got to understand the milk of the word. And I loved it what the other pastor said at the other church, but still, even when you get to the meat, when you're eating physical food, you've got to have something to wash it down with. You don't get away from the milk of the word. That's right. And that's the problem. We've gotten away from this. We've moved on. We think that there's a new revelation. Uh-uh. There ain't no more new revelations. This is the revelation right here. This is everything that you need to know is right here found in the 66 books of this Bible. Amen. It may be a new revelation to you, but it ain't a new revelation. Everything here has been given, and the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you, right. and he will always speak of Christ and what he's going to reveal to you, the finished work of the cross. Amen. We're soon to run out of time. So again, the greatest understanding of the word of God you can have is knowing that he has set you free from sin. That's the greatest revelation that you can know as a child of God. I have been set free. I no longer have to yield my members. But the problem is, is that we're trying to say no to sin instead of saying yes to Christ and what he's done. Quit saying no to the problem. Start saying yes to Jesus and what he's done. Amen. All true born-again believers, again, desire this life, but the way that they're going about trying to achieve it is wrong. Amen. We're turning to law instead of turning to the finished work of Calvary. And when that happens, we see that sin nature. Paul says that sin revived and I died. Why? Because he was depending on law. He wasn't depending upon what Christ had done for him. And so you're either depending on one of the two things. You're either depending upon the blood or you're depending upon law. And if you're depending upon law, guess what? Sin's going to revive. And revive means what? Come back alive. And guess what? You're going to die, meaning failure. It's what's, what's going to happen. But if you're depending upon Christ, sin won't revive, and you're going to now live unto God. So you got a choice, but you're going to go God's way in order to be able to live unto God. See, the old you, again, nailed to the cross. No doubt about it. You're dead. And the power of the sinful nature is dead as well as long as you stay in Christ. Amen. See, you become dead to the world, dead to sin. Sin produced corruptness and, corruptness and evilness, but now we're free from it, and we're free to embrace the power of the cross, which releases the power of God to work in your life and bring victory over the sin nature to you. 
and only the preaching of the cross. Only the preaching of the cross is going to make the believer understand this and make the believer aware of this. So why is it that the church is offended when we talk about the cross? So many is offended. You have conversations with people. I have conversations with people, some in my family, and they literally get so mad when you talk about the cross. Why? Why are we offended? Why are we offended by what he did? Why are we not wanting to embrace it? Because we're not willing to swallow our pride and to say there's nothing that we can do and, and actually also say there's nothing else that we've got to do. They don't want to depend upon solely the cross. And we should be embracing the cross. My God, we don't, we don't truly realize what was accomplished there for us. He set us free, but he purchased everything for us. He's done all of the work. There's nothing else that we've got to do. That's why he said in Matthew uh, 20, 11, come unto me. You're laboring. I'll give you the rest that you're looking for, but you've got to come unto me. But if you're going to come to me, you've got to leave self over here. You can't come to me with your abilities. You can't come to me with your talents. You can't come to me with your willpower and think that I'm going to help you. Come to me just like you are. Come to me with all of your sin, all of your brokenness, and I'm going to give you the rest for what you're trying to labor to get that you can't get, that you've never been able to get. But come unto me, and I'll now give you the rest. And we can have that continual rest each and every single day. You see, the cross, when understood, is the center of all that we are. It's the central core of Christianity. It's the foundation of all that we have in Christ. And therefore, we should be embracing it each and every single day. And understand, know that body of sin was destroyed at Calvary. Destroyed. Well, I'm not seeing the destroying. I'm, I don't see it. It don't look destroyed in my life. That's because we're not looking to the cross. We're not looking. And Satan don't want you to look to the cross. Mm -hmm. Satan don't care if you put your faith in church. He don't care if you put your faith in reading of the word. Put it anywhere, but don't put it in the blood. Because he only responds to the blood. The blood is the only thing that will send him packing. Nothing else will. Because he was defeated at Calvary. Amen. We've got to place our hope and our trust solely in him. Amen. 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 Well, we'll finish up. We're done for the night. The time always goes by so fast. I feel like sometimes shooting the clock and making the time stand still. But nevertheless, it's good. I enjoy this. And um, we need to take our time. Slow down and take our time because I believe that it's really impacting a lot of uh, lives. And again, we need to ever be reminded of this truth. You can't hear about the cross enough. Amen. Let's just close out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we just thank you for what you accomplished for us at the cross. Lord, we cannot tell you thank you enough, Lord. And to know that, God, everything was handled for us at Calvary, Lord, that through your blood, God, we are victorious. And Lord, I pray, Lord, the bondages, Lord, the, the sin that is there in the life of your people, God, I pray that tonight they would realize that something would have been said, Lord, and that, God, it clicked within them, Lord, that the what they're looking for is found in what you have already done and that Lord our eyes would turn to you Lord that we would not depend upon ourselves we would not trust in ourselves but instead Lord we would trust and depend upon your blood Lord depend Lord that your blood has won it all for us Father we thank you again for what you're doing what you've done but Lord even what's more to come in the future Lord we love you and we say it all in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen and amen we love amen. each and every one of you remember Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m. Be back with us and we will see you then. Take care.